Okay, welcome to Ask the Expert. Um, today we have a Dr. Ping Wang, uh, we, who is also goes by Peter Wang. He's going to be talking about trends of nanotechnology and type 1 diabetes treatment. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Radiology and Precision Health Program at Michigan State University. And before joining Michigan State University in 2018, he was an instructor at Harvard Medical School from 2014 to 2017, after he obtained his postdoctoral training from uh, Athenula, a uh, Martinez Center for Biomedical Imaging at uh, Mass General. Um, and his research focuses on molecular imaging and theranostic on cell transplantation and nanodrug delivery for type 1 diabetes and development of novel imaging techniques for cell based therapy. He's a member of the Academy for Radiology and Biomedical Imaging Research, CEI, CECI Squared 2022, and Sialog, which is uh, um, an Advancing Bioimaging Fellow of 2021. Um, I'm going to put his recent paper in the chat on his bio um, in our chat for those of you who have interest in it. And uh, welcome, Dr. Wang. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Wesley. Uh, thank you for the invitation and uh, for the introduction. So thank you for, for having me today. Uh, before I start, I just want to uh, say several words for this uh, great platform. Uh, I have been uh, participating in the science, um, super science uh, since last year. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Wesley, uh, for your uh, dedication and contribution to this uh, great uh, platform, uh, connecting uh, researchers um, in the type 1 diabetes community uh, from bench to the clinic. Um, I personally, I enjoyed a lot and I have learned a lot. Uh, very grateful. Uh, thank today, you. I'm grateful as well to you. Thank you. Today, um, I uh, for the next uh, 20 minutes or so, um, I will uh, give you a kind of a sort of uh, over uh, introduction for the project in our lab. And also uh, gonna highlight uh, two projects as examples uh, for the um, application of the nanotechnology, nanodrugs we, we developed, we call uh, Theranostic, uh, one for the protection of the eyelid graft and the other one for the nanodrug delivery to the endogenous beta cells. Yes, uh, yeah, let's get started. Here's the, yeah, this, uh, this is our, my lab. Um, I mean, we are from uh, Michigan State University. Uh, this uh, photo was taken uh, last uh, July. Um, two students already uh, left for the medical school. Uh, I have uh, new members join us. Um, we, we need to take a new um, photos, I know. Um, before um, I talk about the science in my lab, I want to um, start um, my um, yeah, discussion uh, with this uh, fam famous papers published uh, in 2000 um, by uh, Dr. James uh, Shapiro. Uh, so um, I, I still remembered uh, the first time I saw this, read this paper. Uh, I was just finished my uh, radiology residency um, and about to start um, my MD-PhD training in Shanghai. And I'm studying learning the interventional radiology procedures. And I saw this paper uh, for the eyelid transplantation. And uh, especially I figured out uh, the, I mean, for the cell transplantation, actually uh, the interventional radiologist, um, I mean, they used uh, uh, this procedure called uh, transhepatic portal wing uh, catheterization uh, for the cell transplantation. 
I was so fascinated. I was like, I I have to do this for my uh, PhD project. So <laughs> that's, that's a great. Yeah, that's the paper a, could really spark that, you know, much interest and really drive you into the field. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. That's a, that's a, true. That's the beginning of the my my journey for the eyelid transplantation. Um. So um, back to the paper. Um published in 2000, um, everybody is so excited uh, because of uh, promising uh, data uh, Dr. Shapiro um, presented. Um, unfortunately, if you look at the second uh, follow-up follow paper in 2006, uh, the result was not as um, promising as the first one. Uh, almost 80% of the patient who received um, eyelid uh, eyelid grafts um, back to the insulin injection, uh, which is kind of depressing. And uh, from this uh, very great um, review paper, uh, summarized all the factors contribute to the eyelid graft loss. You can tell uh, even before the transplantation, during the isolation, um, during the transplantation and early post-transplantation, uh, even the uh, immunosuppressant uh, has toxicity on the eyelid graft. So that all contribute to uh, eyelid um, um, loss for the uh, transplantation uh, patient. Um, that's why, um, I mean, I think that's the beginning for uh, why we uh, decided want to, uh, why we decided to work in this field, trying to solve this problem uh, from the three um, aspect, uh, as I uh, summarized here. Um, firstly, we want to um, track the transplanted cells and also uh, want to image in the endogenous beta cells and detect the inflammation and the rejections um, after transplantation and also for the type one diabetes um, processing. Um, and the um, second part, uh, we trying to uh, protect these cells uh, from all these uh, damages and also uh, protect the cells, um, uh, not just the eyelid graft, also the endogenous beta cells from the autoimmune uh, attack. The third uh, aspect uh, we have been uh, trying to uh, develop is to uh, provide a new uh, source for the eyelid beta cells transplantation. Okay, um, first part, um, yeah, we are um, trying to uh, use uh, uh, imaging as a tool for the, um, I mean, tracking the eyelid graft cells during um, uh, that time, like um, 10 years, um, 15 years ago, it's also the beginning of the molecular um, imaging. Um, so we trying to combine these two technology, molecular imaging and eyelid transplantation. Uh, we are, uh, firstly, we uh, labeled uh, eyelid uh, with the nanoparticles, dextron-coded uh, iron oxide nanoparticles. The reason we chose this uh, nanoparticle because uh, uh, it was uh, proved uh, by FDA for liver uh, imaging and also for the anemia treatment. So uh, we label the cells uh, in vitro. And if you look at the iron staining, you can see the uh, iron nanoparticles uh, here show the like blue dots um, uptaken uh, by the uh, eyelid cells in the cytoplasm. Then we uh, transplanted these labeled cells um, to the animal model. We tested both the small animal model in mice and also uh, large animal model of uh, non-human primates uh, for both um, uh, intra-portal uh, wing transplantation to liver and also under kidney capsule uh, animal models. Um, you can see uh, the 
labeled cells uh, transplanted in liver, scattered in the liver. Uh, I mean, here uh, you can see the black dots spread in liver. And under the kidney capsule uh, models, um, the um, graft looks like a pocket of uh, signal loss uh, under the kidney capsule. And we use this uh, imaging tool. Uh, we can um, monitor the graft loss uh, in um, different, different animal models. Uh, here we showed um, um, in a non-human primate animal model, we uh, treat the animal with a toxin, um, I mean, STZ, streptotoxin, uh, which is a toxin for the beta cells. Um, after the treatment, uh, we can see um, right after the treatment, uh, the signal of the um, eyelid graft from MRI decreased. But if you look at the blood glucose level, uh, it will take uh, like several uh, weeks, two to three weeks, um, you start to see the, see the elevation of the blood glucose. So we think uh, that's a good, um, I mean, window for the clinic. Uh, if there's uh, like eyelid graft loss uh, happens, um, you can uh, rescue the cells. And we also um, tested these uh, uh, nanoparticles for the endogenous beta cells imaging. Uh, we all know um, in the eyelid, uh, there's like alpha cells, beta cells, um, data cells, and other cell types. Uh, we are uh, mostly interested in beta cells. For the beta cells, we all know um, um, glucagon-like peptide 1 receptors is highly expressed on the beta cells. So we uh, conjugated the peptide xn 4 which is approved uh, by FDA, uh, FDA for the type 2 diabetes. So we uh, conjugate this uh, peptide on the nanoparticles and we firstly tested uh, um, the selectivity uh, of this um, targeted nanoparticles uh, in isolated, uh, isolated eyelids. And also we did the uh, double staining of the nanoparticles are uh, uptaken and the, um, the staining of the uh, glucagon-like glucagon peptide one receptor. And we proved that the um, receptor uh, assisted uh, endocytosis of these nanoparticles. And we tested these nanoparticles in a different animal model, including uh, the healthy and also um, type one diabetes um, and monitored the signals with the 3D MPI. You can see with the development of the diabetes, here's the OD mice, the signal decrease, um, which, which are consistent with the um, beta cells uh, mass um, uh, in the NOD mice. And the histology shows um, the very good selectivity of these uh, nanoparticles injected systemically. Yeah, that's the first part of the uh, imaging part to see the eyelid uh, cells and both the eyelid graft and the endogenous cells. So next step, uh, actually very close to, uh, based on the first step, uh, we reason that uh, because we can uh, label the cells uh, in vitro and we can conjugate um, like a different uh, moieties like uh, uh, targeting moieties and fluorescent dyes and other uh, probes uh, on the surface of the nanoparticles, why don't we try uh, conjugate the therapeutics so um, the first idea we had is uh, use uh, sRNA. I mean, it's a small RNA molecules, uh, 21, 22 um, uh, base pairs. So uh, we, um, firstly, we tested two sRNA, one's uh, caspase 3 which is a um, major player for the cell apoptosis. 
And the second one is for the beta-2 microglobin. It's a, it's a light chain of the MHC class 1 molecule and related to the immune rejection and T cell, CDA T cells uh, recognition. So for the caspase 3 um, I mean, models, uh, we transplanted uh, protected and unprotected uh, cells, uh, eyelid cells, uh, I mean, to the, uh, to the different side, both side of the, I mean, uh, on the kidney capsule and follow the um, graft volume, follow, follow up, the, I mean, check the graft volume uh, with MRI. You can see uh, from MRI uh, data, um, the uh, protected group has um, relatively higher um, volume, uh, graft volume, which are resisting in a higher production of insulin and also a lower expression of the caspase 3. And we also checked the um, cell apoptosis and the protected group has um, significantly lower uh, cell apoptosis. Hmm. And for the uh, beta-2 microglobin, uh, here we use the adoptive transfer model. Um, so if you, if you can look at the like the diabetes development, uh, I mean, um, these are uh, the protected um, groups um, significantly delayed in the di diabetes, the diabetes uh, redevelopment uh, for about 24 days. And the histology shows the downregulation of the beta-2 microglobin and also uh, significantly lower infiltration of the CD8 T cells. And for the translational uh, purpose, we also tested this um, um, caspase 3 uh, siRNA nanoparticles in a non-human primate study. Uh, similarly, uh, we um, induce the diabetes for the recipient and isolate the uh, islet from the donor and label the cells with the caspase 3 uh, conjugated nanoparticles and followed uh, after the transplantation, we follow up with the MRI and follow up the, for the animal for 90 days. Um, so um, I want to um, emphasize that um, it is rarely uh, accepted like a 10K uh, IEQ per kilogram. It's generally accepted as a minimum uh, amount of the islets uh, required for the insulin independence for the non-human primates. So for this study, we uh, want to show the protection effect of the uh, iron oxide nanoparticles. Uh, we intentionally transplanted the marginal number. You can see the, um, all the uh, non-human primates are uh, transplanted with uh, uh, less than 10K uh, IQ per kilogram of islets. And if you look at the follow-up data here, um, I mean, on the right side is the uh, control animal, uh, left side is for experiment, uh, experimental animal. Uh, you can see, um, I mean, the, the blue, uh, blue lights here shows the insulin uh, dose um, and the um, we uh, demonstrate um, very good protection effect of the caspase 3 nanoparticles. And uh, this, um, this nanoparticles actually, we, we, this is a collaboration with the Columbia University. So we actually, we kind of applied it on the nanoparticles and this result very uh, convincing. We just had one question from uh, Jean-Luc Tran. Is this human islets donor? Oh, those, those are the, um, I mean, from the uh, baboons. It's a um, non-human yeah. primate. Not primates, not uh, xenograft. It's, um, I mean, from the non-human primates. Mm -hmm. Thanks for clarifying that to the question. Thank you.
and for the uh, protection for uh, endogenous beta cells, we uh, did uh, endogenous beta cells uh, microRNAs, microarray, um, and from this uh, heat map, uh, I mean, we take the eyelids and also the microRNA from eyelids from the different age of MOD mice, three weeks, eight weeks, and 18 weeks. Um, and we um, identified a bunch of the microRNAs. And one microRNAs uh, draw our attention because that's the only microRNAs uh, increased over the over over time uh, during the development of uh, on the uh, type one diabetes, uh, which is uh, mere two sixteen a. We did the uh, in situ hybridization. If you look at the second row here, in situ hybridization for the verification of the increasing of this uh, microRNA, and also we tested the. Uh, one of the target of this microRNA P10 and the expression of P10 uh, significantly decreased uh, with increase of the microRNA. And um, at the beginning, we, we didn't know which microRNA gonna have effect on the endogenous beta cells. So we uh, include both mimics and inhibitors and two controls. Uh, we injected uh, this nanoparticles through the um, pancreatic duct uh, pancre pancreatic injection. Uh, because there's um, equivalent, uh, I mean, clinical uh, procedure called ERCP. We use this uh, approach for the, I mean, inject the probes to the pan pancreatic duct and also bile duct. So we uh, adapt this uh, procedure for the selectivity of nanoparticle um, because everybody knows if you inject the nanoparticles systemically, um, a huge amount of nanoparticles gonna end up in the liver and kidney. So we trying to avoid that. Here's the animal, um, I mean, injection pictures. After the injection, you can see the uh, pancreas tend, uh, tend the color change to the dark green. If you look at, you look at the uh, IPGTT result, actually uh, mimics group showed a uh, better, uh, I mean, tolerance, um, glucose tolerance um, results. Uh, compared with uh, the other two uh, control and uh, also the inhibitors and we checked the uh, histology um interestingly uh we found uh, uh, in the mimics group we found the cell proliferation uh, ki67 markers highly expressed um we believe um this microRNAs are uh, closely related to cell uh, proliferation because of, um it is well known um i mean in adult uh, beta cells not gonna have the ability uh, much ability for the proliferation and we published our data um, two years ago. And um, last year, uh, one group uh, from um, Canada, Dr. Uh, Tim uh, Kiefer uh, group, they um, also uh, targeted this microRNA. They used the different animal model, uh, transgenic, they delayed the deletion of this microRNA. Uh, and they showed yeah. reduce of beta cells mass and very uh, their result are very much uh, in line with ours. Yeah, in fact, we had Adam Ramsey uh, for Ask the Expert. His, he was a student there in the Kiefer lab. Great, yeah. Would, would like to yeah, have more discussion on that. The last part I want to, um, yeah, I mean, mention, uh, um, it's, it's their ongoing. Can I ask you a quick question before it goes on? Yeah. Hi, Ping, it's Eric. Eric, how are you? Hey, sorry, I was trying to type, but it was too long a question. I, I think it's remarkable that you showed in those primates that the effect with the microRNA nanoparticle lasted so long. Was it, you said 18 weeks or so? 
at least. We are for you mean the non-human primates model? Yeah, the, sorry, the non-human primates. Yeah. Yeah, we followed up for uh, ninety days. Ninety days. Okay. My my question is this: the stability of the nanoparticle and the microRNA inside the cells, and presumably inside endosomes or lysosomes. Right, so if you label cells, they end up in these subcellular compartments, and you know they're acidic, and particles degrade, and you know how do you how do you sort of explain this long and quite remarkable positive effect of the nanoparticles, given given that? Yep, that's a very good point. Um, because um, the labeled cells, uh, labeled nanoparticles, has to um go through the endosome escape. Yeah, so. Um, we believe, we also, uh, we agree, we believe uh, the protection from SRA or microRNA are gonna be uh, like a transient, probably gonna last, because if you, if you imagine uh, nanoparticles end up in the endosome and released from the surface of nanoparticles, uh, that's not gonna like last long. We believe probably gonna last for one or two weeks. Um, but the effect we uh, observed, we believe, um, because uh, because for the for the transplantation model or transplantation, yeah, I mean therapy, uh, biggest loss of uh, graft happens in the first two I mean first two uh, weeks. Hmm. So from our data shows, um, like uh, in the first two weeks, actually, uh, around sixty percent of the graft lost. I mean, it's consistent with the histology studies. Um, we believe um, because the isolation and the eyelids, um, I mean, lack of the blood supply and apoptosis, that's a, that's a most difficult time for the eyelid graft. After the two weeks, actually, um, the, if you look at the signal, gonna be very stable for a long time. Our studies, uh, I mean, with the non-human primates, we followed up for I remember 180 days. After first month, actually the signal is very stable. So we believe um, the protection happens uh, in the early stage. Interesting, thanks. Thank you for the question. Um, for the last part, um, yeah, we, uh, we also tried um, trying to create, uh, produce more eyelid um, resource, I'm sorry. Yep, uh, we use the IPS um, uh, because uh, because uh, in clinic um, actually you can um, I mean re reprogramming the cells from type one diabetes, and uh, for this approach you can solve the uh, shortage of the um, grafts. I mean donor, and also um, if you can get the cells from patients, you can also uh, solve the immune rejection problem. And we um, adapt. Uh, um, differentiate, differentiate, differentiation protocol for 21 days. And after the like uh, five stages, the cells start to, um, I mean, 30% of the cells start to uh, produce insulin and the 15, uh, 10 to 15% of cells express alpha cell markers. And some of, some of them um, express both. Um, they were also tested at the RNA levels. And I, I was having my um, microphone issues. I was trying to ask a couple of questions regarding the microRNA effects. Is yeah. it, can I ask that question now? Yes, please. Okay. So regarding the microRNA, um, 
may have potential in uh, inducing pancreatic beta beta cell proliferation. Do you check the microRNA level in the normal versus diabetes islet? Is this only uh, number one? Is it only in the islet, or is this systemically um, as well? Um, I uh, I'm not quite um understand your question. You mean uh, did we test it the microRNA? We are uh, no no no. Did, did you look at did you look at the microRNA level in a normal versus diabetes islet? Uh, I uh, I can um went back for this um oh for the endogenous I think you ask it for yeah this one so if you look at the animal model uh, study we used uh, three weeks NOD eight weeks NOD and eighteen weeks NOD for the microRNA microRNA data actually we believe probably that's a, your questions. We believe uh, three weeks still we consider it normal uh, studying, um, not studying the insulin titis. That's a control. You can see the difference of the microRNAs among these three groups. Did that answer your question? Yeah, so, so what is red and green? Red meaning less or meaning more? Green means um, high. Red okay. means, yeah, okay. I'm sorry, uh, red means high, green means low. You can see okay, the all right, so, so as your diabetes progress, you get more microRNA. Yeah, not, not all of them. We identified like, a, I remember like a, around 200 microRNAs um, expressed a significantly different among these three Hs. So this is, this is the islet data, right? Yeah, isolated islets. Okay, so what is your opinion? Is it the microRNA being produced from the islet or produced somewhere else? I think all cells express like has uh, microRNAs in the cytoplasm. Okay, so so as um you know as diabetes, I'm sorry, uh, ladies and gentlemen who participate here. I, I, I'm just very curious, so I'm trying to participate and try to understand a little bit here. Um, that you know as the diabetes progress, right, more beta cells dying. Yes. Right. So so. So the ratio of the number of beta cell is constantly declining, I mean, i.e. reduced, but at the same time, you see an increased level of microRNA. Is that suggesting the microRNA being produced by other cell rather than beta cell? Interesting well, question. From our, um, from our approach, we only isolate islets. We didn't isolate the beta cells. So I don't think I can answer your, that question. That's a very good question. Yeah, if mm-hmm. we can isolate the beta cell, we actually we tried because we um the, the isolation uh, procedure can affect the cell function viability. We we feel probably that's gonna also affect the microRNA expression levels. Gonna add more uh, like a confounding like artifacts. So um, that's why we decided to only uh, isolate the islets. Yeah, and uh, thank you. I understand that this is in the you know. Um exploration study phase, I, a lot of things unknown, but, uh, but thank you for answering my question. That's okay. Thank sorry, you. Sorry to hold you back. <laughs> no problem. It's just for yeah, discussion. So um, I'm, I'm gonna try to finish this quickly. 
So uh, firstly, we uh, label the cells uh, similarly as I mentioned earlier. So uh, because we got a new imaging modality, magnetic particle imaging, uh, it's different from uh, MRI. Uh, MRI is more like indirect, uh, um, I mean, because of contrast, uh, I mean, indirect uh, imaging modality, but for the ma magnetic particle, you can detect the iron oxide nan nanoparticles directly for better quantification. So we also uh, developed machine learning algorithm for the quantification. Uh, you can see uh, here a video um, for the different um, sections from M MPI. Um, but look at the data. We started this project like three, three years ago. Look at the data we found. Um, yeah, it's, there's a problem uh, follow up like a, the signal of the transplanted um, eyelid organoids actually decrease. We feel even, even more significant than eyelids. Um, we thought probably there's a problem for the vascularization of the eyelid organoids. Because uh, look at look back at the differentiation protocol. So um, I mean the cells IPS um, started uh, differentiate towards the endoderm at the stage one. So there there's no um, I mean chance for the cells develop uh, vasculature in eyelid organoids. Hmm. So we believe that's probably the problem. And um, here also include the one paper. Um, published last year also by uh, Dr. James Schferro. So um, he made another uh, milestone uh, contribution for this field uh, for the um, stem cell transplantation. Their approach is trying to uh, use uh, micro uh, encapsulations. And uh, if you look at the pictures, there's a, there's a holes on the encapsulations and the, the, the I don't know, the vasculature genome um, like a like a uh, growth uh, into these um, packed uh, eyelid organoids or beta cells, differentiated from the I, uh, IPS. Um, I, I can make I can make a comment to that if you uh, if you want. So I, I I tested that previously. I I run that I run the uh, um, encapsulated um, eyelid transplant from. Uh, the stem cell differentiation for, for two years. So so what I what I can confirm for you for sure here is that after three months beyond when you take the capsule out, you see very rich, rich vascularization surrounding that um encapsulated uh, it's like a tea bag like but it's very very small tea bag. <laughs> yeah. So 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 yeah so so and that associate with um Normalize blood glucose of diabetes animal model, right? So, so without transplant, animal have glucose about four, five, six hundred milligrams per deciliter. So, after three month transplant or so, the animal is surviving on the normal glucose level about 100, 120. Basically, that's human glucose level, and that indicated that um, due to the facts that they. IPSC is fully differentiated into pancreatic island and it producing insulin corresponding to super hyperglycemic mouse model. And then it continued to produce to the point where it sustained the normal glucose. So this is something I actually have firsthand experience. Actually, I run that project two years. Great, yeah. 
have you here um, add more um, details. So we, um, our group, we trying to uh, solve this problem with a different approach. We use uh, 3D uh, bioprinting. Um, as you can see, uh, we designed this, um, we call the super eyelids and, and uh, also differentiate uh, IPS to the uh, endothelial cells. And um, here, yeah, um, here we have um, um, video for the um, printing of these um, uh, constructs. Um, and we, we already we already got some like structures, but we still have problem for the if you look at the grids uh because the resolution here uh we still have problem. But the good news we're gonna have a new um print 3D printer very soon, and the resolution gonna be um very uh much improved from uh 400, 300 micron uh to the new one uh to two micron. So hopefully we can solve this problem uh quickly. To summary, uh, yeah, uh, I just uh, showed you because the limited time I just showed you um, uh, several project uh, we work uh, we work on with the nano uh, nanotechnologies and uh, there are other projects like immunotherapy and also we trying to combine um, RNA lipid nanoparticle with our uh, iron oxide nanoparticles. Um, there's so so many uh, I mean applications we can we can uh, work on um, and. I would like to thank all the lab members to contribute to the, all this project and uh, uh, my um, mentors and the collaborators and the funding. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Wang. I, um, I, I, this is a really interesting series of observations and discoveries. I wondered if, you know, it looks like, um, you know, uh, Dr. Tran is here. I, I think, I believe he's a, I think he's the CEO or CSO of Leo. And I, you know, uh, are you open? Is your group open to collaborative um, efforts and you know, research with others who are in industry or other um, you know, institutions that uh, you might uh, be able to form some alliances to move the ball I, forward quickly? Yeah. Yeah, so so you know, uh, Leo is not specialized in diabetes. Leo only focuses on dermatology. So I'm really interested in this because mainly because you know I work on diabetes for twenty years. I see. Yeah, I work I work on you know uh, early mid late stage type two diabetes. So so and and I find the transplantation is uniquely beneficial for not only type one diabetes but for late type two diabetes as well because you know right now um, that. People when they're diagnosed with type two diabetes, they put on therapy. But over time, you know, maybe five years or so, they need to be on insulin, regardless of regardless of what kind of therapy they're on. Due to the fact that you know, relating to pain presentation, that uh, beta cell continue to die, mm -hmm. right? There is no really well fully well established reagent now that is unable to regenerate beta cell. Yeah, and meaning. Meaning that it have that, that there's a lot of unmet need that um, to be able to find a mechanism or target that allow uh, beta cell regeneration endogenously. Yeah. At the moment, at the moment, there's no such thing, right? You're talking yeah. about like xenotide, you sell like, you know metformin and cytoglitin and you know P4. They don't do that. Yeah. yeah. So the mar that market is a big market and 
Um, I think, you know, but there's definitely still, uh, and, and that there's a lot of people delving into that right now, but it, it I think that, uh, you know, the type one diabetes, um, business case still remains pretty strong because, um, there's a, a huge health burden that, um, you know, the government and hospitals are paying for when pediatrics, you know, patients come in and are diagnosed early in life and they have to carry that burden for the rest of their life as a type one diabetic. So I think both, you know, there's, there's great cases for, for really pushing into this frontier for both type one and type two. And I think that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, Vertex is way out in front, I think, uh, Viacite is there, um, and, and others trying to really crack that, um, the code uh, so that, that you can have a real viable um, implant. And I appreciate so much, uh, you know, Dr. Wang, all the efforts you've put forth into this realm. And um, I hope that, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, we're kind of constrained by the time for Dr. Wang's schedule, but hopefully that people who are on the call can reach out to him and speak to him, you know, more at length. So um, I'm just going to say thank you so much, Dr. Wang. I really appreciated your really interesting work, and I look forward to seeing what uh, comes out of your laboratory next. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Hope you can communicate offline. Yeah, for sure.